Is this thing on? I don't hear it. Test, test, test. All right, good morning. Good morning. Yes, we were um, gone last week uh, in sunny places. And it was, it was weird to not be here, honestly. But I heard you, you who were here had an amazing time. Um, I was texting with uh, Meredith. She said it was the, the women's hour of power. All women leading. So if you missed that, we missed out. If you were gone, I'm, I missed out. Um, I did go back and listen to Cindy's message, which was quite good. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if you didn't hear it, to go back and listen to that as well. Um, but I'm here. I'm happy to be here, praying for the sun to shine here in Michigan. I'm sorry you all had snow while I was on the beach. <laughs> uh, but it was, a, it was a beautiful time with fam, and my kids are crashed out from two long days of uh, drive-in. And I know there are other young, many of our other young families are still gone on spring break, so Lord bless them. Um, we, we had a great time, like I said. Um, and uh, I do want to encourage you, I want to reiterate a couple things that have already been said. It's great when the Holy Spirit is just highlighting. Um, but just as I was driving here this morning as well, um, realizing it, it is important to realize that when we do gather, um, as, as Tim mentioned at the top of the morning, it is, this is a special time that we have. Um, and uh, the good news for us is, uh, though we're thinner today because of spring break, we have not declined in the, the wake of the COVID pandemic. We've been growing. So we're not a part of that story that Tim was reading, hallelujah. Um, but it is common in our culture and even in Christian culture these days to kind of diminish the idea of the Sunday gathering. Um, now let me, let me put this straight in, in, to be fair. Sunday morning, being here right now is not everything, but it's something. And it's something really important. And there are many things we do and ways we gather. We have, you know, daily prayer at the House of Prayers Lansing. We have a weekly gathering on Wednesday evening. Um, we have small groups, home groups that meet throughout the week. Um, those are all important. But today, what we do when we gather here is not just a prayer gathering. What we do when we gather here is not a home group gathering. This is the one time we as a spiritual family gather all together around the presence of God in worship and the presence of God and the word of God. And, and it's a special time, and that's not to put pressure on you, but just to say, like, when I'm gone, obviously I, I have a vested interest, but anytime I'm out of the room with the kids, I go back. I want to hear what is being shared in here because it's not just a nice message. We're hearing from the word of God together, and he always has something to say that you need to hear. So if you're not able to be in the room, I would encourage you to, to make sure you're in the flow of what the Lord is speaking to his church. Um, this is your family, and uh, you know, if you miss a meal, you're gonna be a little hungry. Um, but <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Again, I'm not putting religious duty on you. There's no box you're checking off by being here. God's not smiling broader because you showed up today, and none of that. But it, we must value that when we come together, it's not just you and me in the room. He's here in a special way. And so we are gonna get into the word of God. And especially I was seeing that because I feel like this series we've jumped into, um, we're calling Journey to the Cross, has, has been such a beautiful tapestry, piece by piece, 
of what the Lord has done for us. And literally, the journey to the cross, we've been walking from the upper room discourse that ends in John 17 up to Jesus on the cross and up through the resurrection, which we'll be visiting on Resurrection Sunday. Um, So taking each scene, each moment of that journey as something that the Lord has done on purpose that impacts you and me right now today. Um, And it's not a, a novel idea. In fact, um, it's in sort of an ancient Christian tradition um, to go through what some call the Stations of the Cross, um, to, re- to visit every moment Jesus went through up to and through the crucifixion and resurrection because every moment was on purpose. God doesn't do anything on accident. Every, everything he experienced and went through matters to you and me and impacts you and me today. There was a reason for every breath, every word, and every moment on that journey. And I believe there's even a prophetic nature to the story for the church as we enter into the end times. But today, um, we'll be looking specifically at the crucifixion. This may feel early if you're used to only focusing on that when we get to Easter Sunday. But to do this on Sundays when we're together, this is where it lands. And I'm so glad, I really am glad for, for where we are um, and how we're stepping through this slowly. Because again, uh, I can't emphasize strong enough, um, each of these moments is so powerfully meaningful. Um, and, and so here's the context where we've been so far in this journey. We've seen Christ betrayed and denied by his friends. We saw him unjustly arrested and questioned, being mistreated by the religious system and the governmental systems of the day. Let the reader understand. (laughs) We saw him mocked and beaten. That's what Cindy was talking about. And now we're going to look at him being taken to be crucified. And those will literally have been the last four for messages. So if if you've ever been in a place where you've been betrayed or or even denied Christ yourself for a moment, that message is meaningful for you. If you've ever felt mistreated by the religious or governmental systems of the day, that message is meaningful to you. If you've ever been mocked or abused in any way, that message is meaningful for you. Or if you're experiencing infirmity in your body, that message is meaningful to you from last week that Cindy shared. And today, seeing Jesus crucified is meaningful for you today. Um, Every step of the way, Jesus was accomplishing something for you. He wasn't accomplishing anything for himself. Jesus did not need to take any one of those steps on the journey. He chose to for you and me in the the cross, the crucifixion. Today we're looking at the completed work of the cross. I I like to think of the cross as the crossroads of human history. Everything changed on that day when Jesus allowed them to nail him to the cross and when he gave up his life. Everything in human history changed. Everything for every human that walked the face of the planet before, during, or since, including you and me, changed that day. It's the crossroads of history. 
As we jump into this in John chapter 19, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up there um, or on your device if you like to look there. Um, we'll also have the scriptures on the, uh, the projector here. John chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 16. But before we jo- go there, would you just take a moment and pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The knowledge of Jesus would come to us today by the Holy Spirit. And that you would fill us and equip us with a greater knowledge of you that transforms us from the inside out. We thank you today, God, for the work that you completed on our behalf and give you honor and praise. May it work its full work in us. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. All right, John chapter 19, starting in verse 16. I'm going to read a little bit, skip a little bit, read some more. Again, this step on the journey, jumping in where we said we would jump in. And again, as, as, as we frame this up, it can feel uh, like a heavy moment because it was. But we're looking not at the heaviness of the moment, but what it accomplished. What Jesus completed in the, in the work of the cross. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus And carrying his own cross, at least at first, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had placed a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek. And the chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. All right, now I'm going to skip to verse 28. Now Jesus is being crucified. He is on the cross. Verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. It is finished. And with that, He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Amen. We're going to stop there. Knowing that, I'm going to just read this last part. Knowing that everything had now been finished, Jesus took the drink and said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I'm struck in this last sentence by uh, John's writing very clearly, it seems, that the person in charge of this moment is Jesus. (laughs) Though looking humiliated, beaten, bruised, and unable to do anything for himself, Jesus was completely in control of himself. With an understanding that he had accomplished all he came to do, except for one thing, to fulfill scripture, to take the drink of the vinegar, which had been prophesied. 
So if there were 300 prophetic words up to this moment, 299 had been fulfilled, and now the 300th, it's it's not exactly that number, was to drink of vinegar, and he said, I've done it. I've finished it. And with that, he bowed his head. He bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. The crucifixion was finished. It was a completed work. Jesus had come and fulfilled all that he came to do. All that was written about him. And when that work was finished, Jesus gave up his spirit. And, and it lets us know something so important because this, when I read this story with my own eyes, it seems like it's, so, it's the moment of the greatest injustice. Perhaps you could say the darkest hour of human history. And everything feels out of control, and yet God himself was in control. Though they hung him on the tree, no one took his life from him. He gave it up freely. At just the right time, when all had been accomplished, he gave it up freely. That's so important to understand And that his death had to be this way because it was prophesied to be this way. And that Jesus was not walking into a trap, but walking into the ultimate act of redemption. Thinking of you and me. And when Jesus hung on that tree, he took every sin, every curse. He died the death that you and I should have died. The weight of our guilt was upon him. Now, I want you to understand for a moment and consider this, though. It wasn't just your sin and my sin or even all of our sin up to this day. But what Jesus took on was all the weight of all the sin of all humanity for all time, past, present, and future. In that moment, it wasn't just a cruel death, although crucifixion was probably by far the most cruel means of death ever invented. It was a supernatural weight that weighed upon Jesus, a weight that no natural man could have ever borne but which God himself had ordained that the Son of God, the Son of Man, the pure one, would take upon himself the overwhelming, supernatural, cosmic, even mystical weight of all the sin of all humanity, all the darkness from ages past and ages future, all in this moment. kind of weight was upon him in that moment? Even the weight, not just of our sin, but of the wrath of God, was laid on his shoulders. Experiencing separation from his father, which in definition, I would say, was he was experiencing hell. So you wouldn't have to. It wasn't for him. It was for you and me. He took our place. He took what we deserved, and there's nothing fair about what's happening. For him to choose to take our place 
and to carry the weight of our sin for every, in every way that mankind and, and as, as a whole and as individuals has fallen short of God's glory, the glorious son of man who never sinned, never missed the mark, took the weight of our falling short so that in him the punishment and the wrath of God would be taken. And then because of that, in him we could always hit the mark of his glory. If the perfect son of God has taken it upon himself, the sin, the shame, the condemnation, even the wrath of God, separation from God, the power of hell upon his own body, do you know what that means for you? Do you know what it means? It means you never have to. Never have to. It will never be your portion to carry the burden of your guilt and sin if your faith is in Christ. Never be your portion, portion or your burden to carry sickness or shame or any kind of curse or to ever experience a distance or a separation from God, ever. Because he did. You don't have to. Amen. To those who are found in him, whose, whose hope is in him, whose life is in him, it's done. It's finished. You are completely free, and you can confidently reject all of those things. Sickness and shame and condemnation and guilt. Distance from God, feeling alone, forsaken. You can reject confidently every single one because he took it, you don't. That is the completed work of the cross. And I love that Jesus is the perfection of perfection, the completion of completion. You know, I find so many times in my own life, and just talk about me, I don't know about you, I am so often tempted, not just tempted, but follow through many times of not completing, not following through. I'm going to do that, and I don't. Or I start something, and I don't finish it. Or I do something, and I finish it, but I don't really do it all the way. God never halfways. God never leaves the project undone. That's why he said it is finished. It was really all done, not just a little bit, not just enough. Not just enough to get us into heaven, no, it was finished, complete, body, soul, spirit, saved. That salvation is a holistic work that he has accomplished. It's the whole package. And it was God's good will to do this, not for himself, but for you. Let me read one, another passage. Hearkening back to Isaiah 53, which... Cindy quoted last week as well, but just one verse, Isaiah 53, verse six, speaks to our story and what was happening when Jesus hung on that cross. He says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now I have to stop there for a second because you have to be able to agree with the first part to understand that the second part matters. Do you believe that you have gone astray at some way, shape, or point in your life? Do you understand that at one point or another you turned away from God and therefore you were by nature the object of his wrath? 
You were supposed to be the target. The canon of God's punishment should have been pointed at me and you. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Then, then you have to understand that and believe that. And I said, well, I'm just a, I was an okay person before I knew Jesus. Oh, that's really a dangerous thought to have. We all, and guess what? You're in the all, whether you think so or not, have gone astray. God's wrath was pointed at you, and yet the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you understand the all is means all? Thanks, Dave. I was wondering. All means all. It means not just you in the room. It means seven billion plus people on the planet. And every person that went before and everyone that was yet to come has all gone on stray. And all of that iniquity was laid on him. Even for those that couldn't care or don't know, even those who are completely ignorant or rebellious say, I don't want God still, their weight, their iniquity was laid on Jesus. Now, in case you think I'm making a case for universal salvation, I am and I'm not. Not every person is saved, only those who believe, but provision has been made for every human soul that ever has been and ever will be. (laughs) There's nothing holding anyone back from knowing Jesus and having eternal life in him except themselves. God's not hanging anyone's sin over their head with a price tag and a receipt because it's all been paid for. The only people carrying around the weight of sin and death, condemnation, and and an eternity in hell as their future are those who refuse to accept what he paid for. That's a sad, sad state. A sad, sad story to be in. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, body, soul, and spirit. As I said, it was a complete work all of sin, for all of humanity, for all of time, and he atoned for it completely. Not just spiritually, oh, your spirit is saved because, no, your spirit, your soul, and your body are completely saved by the work of Jesus, by what he did on the cross. The word salvation, sozo, literally means that. It's a full-spectrum, holistic work that salvation is. When you come into the kingdom of God, it's not just your spirit comes alive, but your soul is to be renewed. Your body's meant to be made whole because that is what he paid for. That your body is healed, your emotions and your soul is restored, and that your spirit comes alive completely. And every way in which we are not yet experiencing the fullness of salvation should become our expectation of faith because he's not holding it out on us. The work's already been done. It should cause us to go on a journey to seek until we experience the fullness of it because it is finished. It is completed. There's nothing more Jesus needs to do for you to be whole. Wholeness is yours. He paid the price for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
It's a good story. It's the truth. It's the truth. God the Father was in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5.19, not holding man's sin against him, but redeeming mankind to himself in Christ. All of mankind has been redeemed unto God. It was a supernatural weight that weighed upon his shoulders. The only way he lived to the moment when he gave up his own breath is because he was supernaturally strengthened under it. You would have died under the weight of your own sin. (laughs) You would have been crushed long before under the weight of your own sin. Times that by 10 billion. And the power of hell and the wrath of God. And yet he breathed until he was ready to be done breathing. And I believe that's going to be your story too. God means for you to breathe until he's ready for you to be done breathing. But if there was a supernatural weight upon him, then there was something supernatural accomplished when he carried it through. And so I want to read one other gospel account of this moment where Matthew expands on it just a little bit. You can look if you want in your Bible, or we'll put it up here. Matthew chapter 27, same moment, different historian giving us the account. Matthew 27, starting in verse 45, Matthew says this. Now some of this, let me tell you, is a little strange, but it's the Bible and it's the truth. Matthew 27, verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. I want to say that wasn't just the clouds covering up the sun. There was a darkness that came over all the land. About three in the afternoon was when Jesus then cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I cannot imagine the pain of that moment the son separated from the father. But reading on, and when some of those, verse 47, standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine, vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. That was in the other account. And the rest said, no, live him alone. See if Elijah comes to save him. But I want you to catch this next part, verse 50. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Here's the part. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and tombs broke open. Say what? At the moment Jesus gave up his spirit, when it was finished, the, torn, the, the veil in the temple was torn. The earth shook, rocks split, tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. 53, they came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Can you imagine what that was like when grandma shows up at the city square three days later? I mean, that's a little crazy, but it's not a fairy tale. It happened. What's the point? Something supernatural broke loose when Jesus finished the work. 
It's not just a nice part of the story. Something happened that the world has never seen before. Someone's in the temple as the earth begins to quake, as Jesus gives up his spirit and watches the curtain tear from top to bottom. However many people were in there saw this happen. They didn't have R-rated horror movies for this stuff back. This was real life. They watched the curtain in the temple tear all by itself. God did it. And it was a message. Everything changes right now. Man will never be separated from God ever again. And the rocks quake and the earth trembled and tombs were opened? Something happened when it looked like Jesus' darkest hour and he chose to give up his spirit. Everything changed. Those people couldn't stay in the grave anymore because the veil was torn. The curse was lifted. Sin was paid for. For who? For faithful people. Not everybody got up out of the grave. It was probably the Annas and the Simeons who were long awaiting the Messiah, and everybody knew it. The ones who lived and didn't get to see it, or maybe they saw him as a baby, but they didn't see him do the work of the conquering king on the cross. And they got to come up out the same day Jesus came out of the grave and walk into the city square. Oh, my Lord. We don't know what happened after that, but you don't need to know anything more than that. Appeared to many people. Everything changed when Jesus gave up his spirit, when he completely atoned for every sin. And it wasn't to make his name great. It was to lift you up, to set you free, to bring you into fellowship with God for one, forever and ever. Do you believe he died? Do you believe he died for you? Do you believe he was crucified? Then you can never believe anything less than the fact that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You can never again call yourself a poor and sorry sinner who is without help and wretched. You cannot, because everything changed on that day. 2 Corinthians 5.21, what happened as Jesus hung on that cross? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Hello, you all aggressively affirm you believe he died for you. You aggressively affirm he was crucified. It was real. Your faith is in him. Then you need to be aggressively confirming and affirming the fact that you are now the righteousness of God. That when that happened, regardless of your good or bad behavior since, this is who you are. This is the finished work he accomplished. Not just a little bit. Yes, you're being sanctified on the way, but it's already a reality about you, whether you know it, believe it, or live it or not. 
If you're in faith in Christ, you are the righteousness of God, not just a little bit, the whole package. And if he took on all the sins of the world, then you have all the righteousness of God. Oh my goodness. If he took on all the sins of all the world, including yours, you are all the righteousness of God. Okay, you heard me that time a little bit. Jesus will not be crucified again. He doesn't need to. There's not another atonement for you. There isn't more righteousness that he can give you because he already gave it all to you. And it was worth it. And it was finished. Period. Exclamation point. End of that story. The Father laid on him the iniquity of us all. So even if I sin in this next breath, likely, that was laid on him. I'm still righteous. Yeah, blows the mind. Absolutely blows the mind. It should blow your mind. But don't run away from it. Think on it. Believe it. Declare it. Speak it. Because the more you start to believe like it, the more it will change you from the inside out. The work has been done, but it's still doing a work in you. It's finished in Christ. He's finishing you. He's perfecting you. You've been completely redeemed from the curse. It's all you really need to know. And I do want to wrap it up, but I want to make clear the cross, the crucifixion, the crossroads of human history needs to be the reference point of all of your life. And especially when you find yourself in a struggle. You don't need another word. You don't need another revelation. You don't need another goosebump in the Holy Ghost. You need to reference the cross of Christ. I love prophetic words, the presence of God, goosebumps in the Holy Ghost. But what I really need to know is the cross. What you really need to know is a cross. How else could the great apostle Paul, the great apostle second to maybe Jesus, Jesus definitely first, would say, the only thing I want to know is Christ and him crucified. The only thing I really, really need, and he had a whole list of accomplishments to his name, was this one thing, to know Christ and to know him crucified. It must be the reference point of your life. Jesus being condemned, the weight of our sin and shame being put on him. Because if we know that reality, then we can understand, believe, and live in the truth that there's no condemnation for me. There's no condemnation for you if you are in Christ. There's none left. It was all spent on the cross. It literally was. I don't care how heinous your sin was yesterday or how far you backslide tomorrow. If you're still in Christ, there's no condemnation left for you. None. Zero. This is called mercy, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Praise God. And when you find that your body is weak 
or it's broken, your reference point has to be the cross because the Lord laid on him your infirmity. He laid it all the way there. And it was fully accomplished and fully done. And in those moments, when we feel distant from God or abandoned by others and we think that we're alone, we must remember, we must reference the cross. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from God for a moment so that you would never have a moment separated. Not a moment separated. Reference the cross. You might feel alone. You might feel distant. You might feel shamed. And I just want you to know you can reject that. Every time that comes, it's a lie. The only power left over your life after the cross is the lies the devil tries to tell you. And he's a real good liar. It's all he does. It's all he has. He literally has no other power over you than to lie and to convince you that there's power over you. But there's none. None, none, none. None. And so when the lies come that I'm broken, I'm shamed, I'm condemned, I'm far from God, if your life is in Christ, you can confidently reject those every time because they're lies. Don't believe the lies. Reference the cross, it is finished. In fact, let me, let me just tell it to you this way and understand that it's a big deal to always believe the truth and always uproot the lies. We rob ourselves and we rob Jesus of his completed work when we believe anything different than what he accomplished on the cross. When we somehow believe that we need to do penance for our wrongdoing, we rob the cross of its power in our life. We rob Jesus of his finished work in our lives. No matter how far you fall, no matter what you've done, no matter where you go, that veil is still torn. You can walk right into the presence of God. You can come right into God's throne room and find healing, forgiveness, redemption, restoration, all of it, anytime, all the time, day or night. <laughs> Meyer didn't have the 24-7 down first, you know. The throne of God was always open. It's everything you need in one place is in Jesus. Don't allow lies to hold sway in your mind. Don't allow the lies of the devil to hold sway in your heart or in your spirit. When we understand the depth of the weight that he carried, the depth of his sacrifice for us, it will call us to understand that it's worthy of a faith-filled response. It will change the way we live. It will change the way we think. It will change the way we feel. It we will require and call us to a faith-filled response because the linchpin and the whole deal is that your life is in Christ. If you are in Christ, 
these promises are true to you. When you are in Christ, these promises are to you. For the person without faith, none of these promises are true for them right now. They're true in the spiritual reality, but they have no power to work in their body, to work in their spirit, to work in their soul, to redeem them from the curses that have been spoken over them. But when they are in Christ, everyone is broken. Full freedom comes. And, and the only power then that the devil has over us is lies. And so we must be a people who walk in faith, who believe the truth regardless of what we might be experiencing in any particular moment. In fact, to be aggressively rejecting every lie. Every lie. Cursed is every person who hangs on a tree. Is, is what Deuteronomy 21-23 says. I was going to reference this earlier, but, but I forgot. See, many times we feel bound. Sometimes we get caught in cycles of sin. Sometimes there are things rife in our family that we worry will visit us. If you are in Christ, the answer is the curse is broken. Broken, 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 broken. Doesn't mean you won't be tempted. Don't mean, doesn't mean that thing won't come knocking at your door. But in Christ, it's broken. It literally has no power over you. It's the devil lying. Oh, you're thinking like so-and-so. Oh, you're acting like so-and-so. Oh, you're tempted. You must be in bondage. You must be broken. That's the devil's lies knocking. No, I'm in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. No curse can hang on me because Jesus hung on the cross. He took the curse of my sickness, of my sin, of my brokenness, of my family line, was all broken, and I walk in freedom. Every accusation, accusation written against you was nailed to that cross. Every one of God's laws you ever broke or will broke, break is nailed there too. Not just now, but forever. There is not a record against you that will be found if you are in Christ. Where's the record on this one? The courts of heaven say there is none. Let's stand together. Garrett, if you're able to find your way up here, help us end this, would be great. So I want to challenge us with one thought and then pray for us in a couple of ways today as we round out our time together. First, I need to ask the most important question. Is your life in Christ? I can't answer that for you. Only you know if you've put your full faith and trust in his finished work to save you completely, body, soul, and spirit. But if you have not, if you have been living outside of him, there is nothing keeping you from him. You can step into the life of Christ today. You can repent, turn away from living for yourself and faithless living today. You can trust in him and his finished work right now today in this very moment and experience all the freedom that he's provided for you. 
Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your completed work on the cross. Thank you for changing everything on that day for all of humanity, for all of time. We believe in you, Jesus. We believe the work is finished. We believe it applies to us. And we step in by faith. And if that's you today, I just invite you to step into Christ, to step out of your own life and step into the Son of God, to never fall short of his glory again and to become today the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if you're in Christ already, you can simply thank him for all that he has accomplished for you today. Know that the veil is torn and that you live in the presence of God. And as we stand here in this moment, I want to ask some questions. As we stand before the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit, even in this moment, to come, to apply. Yeah, to apply from the heavenly account anything that's been lacking in your experience of Christ's work? Are you plagued today by shame? Do you feel God is distant from you? I just want to declare over you today, that is a lie. And I break the power of that lie over your life. It shall no longer have sway over you. I declare over you, the veil to the courts of heaven is open before you and you are welcome. In fact, come in boldly, the word of God says. Come into the presence of God and enjoy the favor of your Father because he holds nothing against you today. I pray a cleansing right now by the Holy Spirit of the, the guilt of shame and shame that the devil has spewed by lies upon some of you in this room. Even for things you have done, I declare to you there is no shame, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And right now, you are going to experience the cleaning, the renewing, the restoring, the restoring, the refreshing of your soul that is your portion in Christ. And he says, I restore you back. I restore the standard. When you come back to me, the standard is restored. You never have to earn your way back. You're always fully reinstated. We rebuke the work of shame in Jesus' name and declare it has no place. We declare freedom over every person in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. And maybe you have allowed today sin to have its way in your life in some area. I want to encourage you right now in light of Christ's suffering and Christ's mercy to break agreement with that sin in your life today. Let the weight of your sin and cycles of addiction go right on the cross today and never pick them up again. Let the weight of the sin stay on the cross where it belongs so that you can walk in freedom. I declare freedom over you. I declare freedom over you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've allowed, what you've imbibed in. You can walk out of here and say no. You can walk out of here and be free. You can walk out of here and know the fullness of all that he has accomplished for you. The abundance of life that is in Christ. There is nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. And complete peace is your portion. 
if you will receive it today. If that's you, just lay it on the cross today. Right now, just put it as it were back on the cross where it belongs. Put it back on Jesus who paid it all. Jesus, we thank you today. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you.